even though I teach the law to lawyers on this stuff, I'm not a lawyer. Hey guys, before we get this episode started, I wanted to let you know that there's a network of self-directed investors called SDI Network, Self-Directed Investors Network. Um, you can find them online uh, by going to facebook.com slash groups slash SDI Network. Again, it's facebook.com forward slash groups with an S at the end slash SDI Network. Or if you're in the Denver area, you can join the meetup group. It's meetup.com slash SDI dash network. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast from realbluespruce.com. I am DJ Scruggs along with my partner, Adam Adams. Hey, everyone. Hello, Adam. So today, uh, we're excited. This is, a, this is a good topic for me because I've been doing a little bit of this and want to do more. But we're going to be talking with Brian Ellis. Um, and rather than me t- tell you who he is, Brian, why don't you introduce yourself and, and tell us a little bit about your background? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, as you said, my name is Brian Ellis. I run a site called selfdirected.org. And we, we really help people to uh, understand how to get their mostly their retirement assets out of Wall Street and into assets that they actually understand. Mm-hmm. For most people, that's real estate. But for others, it could be private companies or cryptocurrencies or just about anything. So we help bridge the, the knowledge gap there to make that possible. And, and how long have you been doing this? Oh, I've been involved in the self-directed IRA and solo 401k space for most of the last about 17, 18 years. Wow. Uh, but we've really been focused on this area of self-directed retirement accounts pretty exclusively for the last four years. Uh, the rest of that time, I was just, uh, I, w- I was a user of the account and really nothing more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, a lot of experience using it. And that's, that's uh, the basis for how we teach today. Terrific. And so have you done, uh, in the pre-interview, you said you've done a, you've done a fair number of real estate deals. Yeah, I have. I, I'm I'm one of those people who got into real estate back in the mid '90s, mid late '90s, and I was so bad at it uh, to begin with that uh, yeah. it, it would be insulting to call call uh, call me bad for the people who actually were better than me at that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I I learned how to do the whole creative real estate thing. You know, getting in with as little money as possible, or or not using my own money. You know, that that sort of thing. And so. Um, did a whole lot of those deals, um, kind of got uh, got away from that because, uh, you know, for me, it turned out uh, as much as uh, it was a profitable thing, re- doing that kind of stuff really wasn't my, it wasn't my thing. I right. actually like raising the money and kind of directing the deals rather than actually talking to sellers and buyers. That's not my thing. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, we've done a lot of deals and in the beginning, they were all creative and uh, it, I actually just completed the sale of the last asset we have in my hedge fund. We have a hedge fund that we were running in Northern California. We were just doing buy and flip deals. And uh, that went very well, but my gut's telling me that something else might be happening. And, um, and, and and so we've, we've kind of uh, unloaded all of our assets and we're going to go do something else now. Okay. Okay. Hey, why don't I ask you what kind of creative deals is it that you started with? What was your first deal ever? Your first creative deal? Uh, it was certain. I, you know what? Uh, you say my first creative deal. I, I I don't remember my first creative deal specifically, but I uh, I have to think it was a subject to deal. Okay. Uh, I I did a lot of those. We did 
you know, I, I had no money when I started. So mm-hmm. we, we would buy property subject to and then sell them lease option. And, and I did a, a whole lot of I, I, I did a whole lot of flipping subject to contracts, actually. OK, um, interesting. OK, so, so yeah. you just assign it to someone else. OK. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, how about how about for the listeners, uh, before we get into what I really wanted to ask you, why <laughs> sure. don't you kind of go over maybe the most profitable creative deal that you did in the past? Sure. The one that you remember. Yeah. You know, the, the one that I remember is um, the most profitable creative deal would have been a, a big house out in, it's called Fayetteville, uh, Georgia. I grew up and in it was. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Grew up in Noonan. Uh, yeah, that is that is close to there. Yeah. So the there was this, there was this family that they were just kind of in a bad spot and needed to get rid of their their property and and wanted to uh, wanted to move on quickly and so I took over their property subject to, and uh, I almost immediately found a, uh, a a buyer to sell it to on uh, uh, on, on uh, I believe we did did that as a land contract. Uh, for okay. some reason, okay. something like that's that's what I recall. But the nice thing was this guy had a lot of money to put down. He he gave me like sixty thousand dollars, you know, on day one. Wow! And um, because of all of the factors involved in there, I was I was clearing about fifteen hundred bucks a month on that house. Nice. So that that was uh, I, I wish that was typical. Yeah. It certainly was not. But uh, that that's uh, certainly the creative deal that stands out in my mind the most. So with you, I mean, you do other things that I believe are creative, even if it's not a subject to or a lease option. Right, I think right. investing in a, in a real estate deal, uh, either on, as the main front partner or as a passive partner, I think that's yeah. very creative. Out there, there's not, just not enough people that are really thinking about it. So sure. uh, what got you to um, the podcast, which that's how I first uh, heard of you. I listened yeah. to, I think I heard your very first podcast the week that you put it out. I was like, oh, oh wow. right, self-directed. This is going to be awesome. So I've been yeah. listening for a while. Why don't you tell the audience, like, what got you into podcasting? Why did you do that in the first place? Well, it was a combination of things, the, the simplest of which is I, I had always kind of been interested in radio and, and wanted to do that mm-hmm. and had never gotten a chance to. And that was a good, uh, uh, a good substitute. Uh, and I have since, by the way, done major market radio and podcasting is better. We can do that some other time if you want. But, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I started the podcast because, uh, number one, I felt like I had something to say that nobody was addressing the whole mm-hmm. self-directed retirement account thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also felt like I had a, a format and a concept that was very unique. You know, my, my show is very short, generally seven or eight minutes long. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I don't have guests. It's it's always a monologue. Uh, I, my goal is to have just basically one idea, the for the for the uh, episode and get in out and be done. Yeah. Um, but the reason I I did it more than any of that was because I have always believed that you are that that it's a wise person who puts themselves at the intersection of of where transactions are happening. Yes. And it was and it continues to be my belief that. There is a lot of capital that is both in and headed towards very soon self-directed retirement accounts. So what it would enable me to do the kinds of transactions that I wanted to do, which were those where I could just find great deals and let somebody else handle the whole thing. But I basically provide the funding without it being my money. Yeah, that's I'm sorry. I I was just going to say just for our listeners who may not be aware, just 
give us the the quick definition of what a self-directed uh, account is. Oh, sure. So most people know what an IRA is or a 401k and the self-directed variety of those things. Th just just think IRA or 401k, but you can do kind of anything you want with them just mm -hmm. about. So not uh, just Wall buy, Street. Yeah, not just Wall Street. You can buy real estate. You could buy uh, private companies. You could buy cryptocurrencies. You, you could. I knew a guy who, who invested in uh, dairy cattle uh -huh. and really well with it. Uh, so awesome. you can do just about anything with it. And that's really what they are. What are some of the other assets you've seen? I got to imagine there's some pretty funky yeah. ones out there. Uh, one of the most interesting ones that I have seen is basically intellectual property, people buying oh. patents and, and renting out their patents, uh, through, through their accounts. Wow. Um, that, that was a, a really interesting one. A lot of people do tax liens, and uh, a lot of people do uh, private loans. That's uh, th that particular asset class is particularly well suited to self-directed retirement accounts. Yeah, that makes sense. So, um, one of the main things that I was curious about. I mean, there is so much awesome stuff you could do that we're talking about with yeah. your self-directed account. I think sure. it's amazing. Private money loans, but yeah. I want to get into Bitcoin and you know Ethereum and other cryptocurrencies. Um, cause I know that you've been focused on that or talking about that on your podcast lately. And yeah. I think there's so many people that are interested in it. I, I have some friends who've doubled their money in a month, just the yeah. last month, like Ethereum, I think has gone from high twos to almost five or something. It's been ridiculous, uh, what's yeah. the other one? Uh, Bitcoin has gone from like, it's about to hit 10,000 all the way up to high ni mid nines already. Yeah. yeah. It's nuts. It's so yeah. I think that there's a lot of people that want to invest in cryptocurrencies and they want to understand, if, can I do this in my IRA or is it possible? Or is there other people doing this? And then with that, I, I want to use a, a term that you always use on your podcast because I think it's also very important to start out with SSS. So if you could, <laughs> if you could just go ahead and uh, give us what is SSS and, you know, do you know anybody investing in cryptocurrencies with their IRAs? Sure, sure. SSS refers to simple, safe, and strong. That's, that's the fundamental starting point that I teach my subscribers and students to use as the basis for evaluating their investments. Uh, and the same thing should be applied here. Uh, you know, look at any given investment. Is it simple? Well, I look at, I look at uh, Bitcoin and I think, not simple. Nope. Um, it's the, the, there's, there are some things about it that are simple, like it does kind of have an, an existing market, a liquid market, and that's mm -hmm. nice, but it's not simple otherwise. I, I have yet to met, meet anybody who can really explain what blockchain technology actually is. <laughs> right. Um, and and I'm, I'm a computer science guy, and I, I still can't really explain it. Um, uh, is it safe? Well, Bitcoin is... Um, it has been very profitable, but one should never confuse profitability and safety. They are not the same thing. Absolutely. Uh, what, what is profitable today could be horribly unsafe tomorrow. Uh, is it strong? Well, it has been strong. But when I say strong, what I'm looking at is, is there some, is there some, some way that your capital is actually protected? Like mm -hmm. when, when I think about strong, I think about uh, in real estate, if you if you buy a, a house for fifty grand that's worth a hundred grand, well, you can do virtually everything wrong and you're still going to be okay. Yep. Um, you don't really have that working for Bitcoin. Having said all that, 
Uh, I do think there's a place, uh, a very small place, mm-hmm. a very small place mm-hmm. for really aggressive risk type capital. And I'm talking about usually no more than one, two, three percent of your portfolio. Because uh, right. it's, uh, I think Bitcoin right now is a spectacular gamble. Mm-hmm. Um, so the question about whether you can do it in your IRA, your 401k, absolutely you can. The law tells us life insurance and collectibles are really the only thing you can't do in an IRA. Um, I don't see Bitcoin in that list. In fact, uh, the IRS back in, I think it was 2014, came out with a, a notice that, that clarified how, how virtual currencies are gonna be handled for tax purposes. And that that was really helpful because it, it, it meant that there was no longer any any confusion about how they were gonna look at it. And it's all cool, it's all good, we can do it. Are they just treating uh, it as like an asset with capital gains rules? Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's uh, uh, personal property. Same rules as any other personal property. Okay. So, so I it's have really a, pretty simple. I've got a follow-up question just based on some people's concerns that I've run into lately. Sure. Um, so somebody was talking about that 2014 rule, and mm-hmm. they were saying that if you invest in cryptocurrencies with your 401k, mm-hmm. the cryptocurrency first gets taxed right when you take it out, and then it goes into your IRA or 401k. Hmm. But I wasn't sure if that was the case, and I thought you would be a really good person to speak on that or to answer if you've heard of that. I can probably give you a pretty good answer, but just for the sake of the legalities, just everybody right. know that e- even though I teach the law to lawyers on this stuff, I'm not a lawyer. So let's uh, just get that out there. Okay. But okay. having said that, tell me again, you had somebody tell tell you that uh, cryptocurrencies are taxed going into the account? So they're, they've said once you extract any of your money – it gets taxed immediately before you can put it back into your personal account. They, I've heard that. Oh, yeah, oh, oh, oh. yeah. So, so it already so, gets taxed. So that's what uh, they just, said. Just to clarify, you put money in a cryptocurrency account, it becomes profitable. You take it out. That's yes. the point you're talking about. That's up the right point. There? Yeah. Let's oh, say yeah. we put it in at five thousand. We take it out at ten thousand. We bought two yeah. of them. We have a capital gain of ten grand total. Yeah, it's it's sticky. Um, it, it's um. This is one of the reasons that I think that Bitcoin as a medium of exchange in businesses is not necessarily going to be the greatest thing. Mm-hmm. It's for exactly that reason. Like you, you've you've got to be concerned about the uh, essentially the currency fluctuation, the currency right. part of it, because when you take it out, that is a capital gain at that point. Mm-hmm. Now, whether you can do things to uh, avert that or lessen that. Uh, that you you may be able to do that, but at that point you have in your example a five thousand dollar capital gain. Yeah. So, so yeah. So even if I bought go. that in my IRA. Oh no 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 oh, okay. no! If you bought that, in, yeah. If you if you do all of this in your IRA, all money that's in your IRA, uh, assuming no prohibited transactions, et cetera, right. et cetera. But all money that's in your IRA, as long as it's there, no taxes. But um, what if and, it's in your IRA in the form of a Bitcoin? but then you transfer it from, it'll stay in your IRA, but it won't be the form of a Bitcoin anymore. It'll be the form of U.S. dollars. Are you, does the no, rule I'm make not, it be taxed? No, no, no. I'm, I'm aware of no rule that would okay. cause that to be a taxable transaction. Okay, okay. I, I'm curious, though, in terms of structure, like uh, if you have a self-directed IRA, um, do you have to set up an LLC to, to make those investments? Or can you just ask your IRA to 
to send the cash and you'll buy the Bitcoin? Most of the the um, custodians that are willing to do this right now are basically forcing you to do it through an LLC. Okay. Uh, which I think is not really a bad thing, frankly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there is at least one, uh, and that's Kingdom Trust. I don't know if they. Will, I don't think they will do it directly for people. They, they are the back end for those guys, Bitcoin IRA, who are who oh, are advertising right. so heavily. Now I'm not a big fan of that because I, th- I think those jar- those guys charge like 15% of your money if if I recall correctly. Wow. Um, so it's it's really expensive, but Kingdom Trust is the back end for those guys, and they do have it set up in such a way where you have a a, a wallet that's attached directly to the IRA and doesn't require an LLC. That's a nice thing, but I think that's the exception rather than the rule. Okay. Great. Yeah, that's good to know. I mean. Because I'll confess, I've done a little bit of this, and yeah. uh, I, I do have an LLC set up and with checkbook access, and I've, I've used sure. that to make the purchases, you know, hoping that that was the right thing to do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, we'll see what the IRA says or the IRS says in a few years when I, I pull yeah. it back out. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, at least one person agrees with me. So, uh, Brian, I have a quick question for you. Sure. There's self-directed retirement accounts of all sorts. Mm-hmm. So what is the difference? Is there one that's, that works better than others for, self, for mm-hmm. you know, investing in real estate or whatever? Is there others that um, are more difficult to get around? Yeah, that's a very good question. The answer is that there are actually about, uh, if, if you count the various types of IRAs and 401ks in total, there are basically 11 of them. Wow. Uh, that uh, uh, are available, seven of which really aren't a factor for most people. They're really only a four. I call them the core four. Mm. I recently did a training about this very thing, how to choose the right self-directed retirement account for you. But basically what you have is you have IRAs and you have 401ks. And conceptually, they're very similar. But as a practical matter, I always point my uh, my clients towards the 401k. Okay. And the reason I do... They're, they're, the 401k is structurally and legally superior to the IRA in in every conceivable way. Mm. Uh, having said that, the biggest reason that it's uh, superior, and if this was the only difference, it would still be a massive improvement, and that is that with IRAs and with 401ks, there's this thing called a prohibited transaction, and it's mm-hmm. a kind of a murky, nebulous thing, but if you do it, then in an IRA, your IRA is up the creek, basically, uh, it, you're going to lose probably 40 to 60% of the value of the IRA and maybe more. Right. Uh, an example of a prohibited transaction would be like if I buy a rental property or, or let's, let's say a timeshare condo at the ski resort and I actually use it yeah, for my own yeah. personal thing, I've, I've right. basically broken the rules there and that's taxable. That's a perfect example, and and I call that double dipping. The IRS doesn't like to see you double dipping, meaning you get the the tax benefit along with the usage benefit. They don't like that at all. Okay. So a four hundred one k, on the other hand, the same rules basically apply. Okay. Uh, the the same prohibited transaction rules. However, with the four hundred one k, the law provides ways to fix prohibited transactions, and there will be a penalty. There will be some costs, but it's more like a nuisance rather than a financial cataclysm. Right. And for that reason alone, I drive people towards a 401k if they qualify. But they do have to have a business uh, okay. to qualify. Right. For yeah, that. you can't just – yeah, it yeah. has to be an operating business. Do you – I'm just curious. Uh, I haven't looked at this at all, and uh, it wouldn't surprise me if you haven't either. But there's this big tax bill that 
they're trying to work through Congress. Have you heard anything about how that's going to affect IRAs, 401ks? Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I, I pay pretty close attention to that stuff. And I think that uh, as a practical matter, it's really not going to have any impact on IRAs and 401ks at all. There was mm -hmm. some talk about this concept called Rothification, uh, which meant, means that they were thinking about getting rid of traditional IRAs and 401ks entirely. Uh, that's not going to happen. I don't think that will ever happen. Uh, the Wall Street would never stand for that. Mm. Um, but uh, there will be one really big benefit that I can see uh, for uh, for investors, assuming that the numbers stay similar to what they are right now. And that is that under the new tax plan, uh, corporations are going to be taxed at a max of about 20%, as I recall, mm -hmm. which means it's going to be a lot more plausible to actually start and run a business inside of your IRA, like a real business, not just a pass-through LLC, huh. but to start and start a real business inside of your, your IRA uh, using a C corporation, um, because the, the tax liability will be basically half of what it is currently. Uh, and, and it might make sense. Now, that's that's kind of an advanced sort of thing. Right. Most people will never do that. But that's when I heard when you know, when I started thinking about what was going to be possible, that's what got my attention. That would yeah. be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't why don't you tell us um, the other reasons why you think a 401k might be stronger than an IRA when used sure. self-directed? Yeah, there, there are a lot of reasons. Um, and the rest of them are a little bit easier to understand, actually. Uh, a simple one. You cannot borrow money from an IRA under any circumstances. From a 401k, you can. You can get out a big chunk of money, actually. Um, another difference is that you can put in a lot more money into a 401k than into an IRA. A 401k, you can put in up to about $55,000 or so, wow. which is the same as a SEP IRA. But even that, I'm not going to get into it, but the, e even that's not the same. The, the 401k is better there because it's easier to put the money in. Mm. Um, Another big one is this thing called checkbook control that we hit on just a little while ago. For, for anybody who may not be familiar with that, checkbook control basically means that you have an IRA where you're able to, instead of going to the custodian for permission to do everything, you're able to basically take matters into your own hands. That's really what a checkbook control IRA is. Well, the 401k properly structured, you don't need that. Like it's built in. It's part of it. Like it, it's a it's a trust entity and you can go down like I did. I've, I've got a... Uh, a bank account down at Wells Fargo, and, and it's just a regular bank account for my 401k. Uh, so yeah. that's kind of built into it. And there there are a number of other reasons as well, but it's it's just a better tool all around. And, and asset protection, I should mention that one. The asset protection for a 401k is generally quite a bit better than oh, for an IRA. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the the one that um, you didn't mention yet that I, I was hoping you would <laughs> is I, I have a few friends who have self-directed 401ks, but yeah, right. they won't get a loan on the property because they think they're going to have oh, to pay yes, UBIT. Yes, yes, yes. So yes, why don't you, can you go over UBIT? Do you pay it in a yes, 401k I, or not? I, that's uh you're right. That is a profoundly egregious oversight on my part. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so let's back up from UBIT. Just uh, everybody listening, if, if you don't have the money to do a deal, what do you do? You go out, most people go out and they get a loan. Well, you can do the same thing in an IRA or 401k as well. Uh, there's some requirements, you know, the loan has to be made to the IRA or the 401k, not to the account owner, et cetera, et cetera. All that's well and good, but there's this, there's this nasty tax that comes into play. 
uh, inside of IRAs uh, that's called UBIT, Unrelated Business Income Tax. And the long and the short of that is you are going to, your IRA is actually going to end up owing a tax penalty every single year that uh, income is generated from any asset that is uh, uh, purchased in part or full by uh, by leverage, by loan. Oh, so okay. that, that can be nasty. Like, I mean, if just to make it easy, if you buy 100% of a property using debt, then 100% of that, that property's income, generally speaking, it's a little more complicated than that, but generally mm -hmm. speaking, 100% of the income generated from that property will be subject to that tax. And it's, you gotta remember an IRA is a trust under the law. Mm -hmm. And the trust tax rate is usually around 39.6%. Wow, so okay, brutal. wow. Uh, but with a 401k, same deal, same everything, do, do everything exactly the same, that tax uh, liability, that, that obligation just goes away. It's a beautiful thing. Nice. Yeah. So if you get an 80-20 loan in your IRA on a house that's 100 grand, so you yep. have $80,000 loan against it, at the end of the year, your 20,000, 20% of the income won't be taxable. Is this correct? But 80% of the yeah. income will be taxable under an IRA. Yeah, it, it is a little more complicated okay, than okay. that, but that, that is a very good close generalization. However, if you get an 80-20 loan on a 401k, all of the income is yours, basically. Uh, assuming that it is a compliant loan. Okay. But yes. Right. Uh, awesome. Assuming that, yes, that cool. you are correct. Cool. Wow. So yeah. So we're coming up on the end here. Uh, this has been like the 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 uh, signal to noise in this conversation has been very high. We've gotten a lot of really good information <laughs> from this, and I feel like we're just um, scratching the surface. So where, yeah, can, where can folks find you online? Best place to go is selfdirected.org. Okay. Uh, that's a great place to go. We have a, an, a resource there called the Definitive Guide to Self-Directed IRAs that's free. Anybody can download it. And uh, I think that'll probably help out a whole lot of people who are interested in this. Awesome. And for anybody who's listening to it, what's your listening to this podcast? Obviously, they know how to find a podcast. Yes. Um, and I ga I've gained a lot through your podcast. Uh, what's awesome. the name of your podcast? My podcast is called Self-Directed Investor Talk. And we've been uh, we, we've published several hundred episodes at this point and, and are really hitting it hard again. So uh, we'd love to have any, anybody that wants to learn a little bit more about that. Come join us. Great. Fantastic. Well, thanks a lot for um, all that you share with us today, Brian. It's my pleasure. Thank you, guys.